NPR. Being a college athlete has always been kind of a juggling act. You got classes and books to read, training and plays to study. But about a year ago, Pierrick Gould and his teammates on the Georgetown soccer team, they went ahead and added a new thing to their to-do list. Make deals. They thought about all of the different products and services they use and then started cold calling and DMing those companies on social. They were like, hey, do you want to sponsor me or like pay me to endorse your product? You are just selling yourself like, yeah, I play for the number one men's soccer team in the country. This many followers on Instagram. I love your product. And yeah, sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. I have a few friends on the team that uh, work with this one taco shop near campus. They get free food and they get paid to post each month. So that's a pretty good deal. Good deal. <laughs> Sounds like an amazing deal. I mean, how can you beat free tacos? I don't know if you've seen, but there's some like football players uh, at certain state schools that are now like getting Lamborghinis, which is outrageous. Okay, I think that that beats free tacos. I'd actually rather have the tacos. <laughs> Whether we're talking about cars or tacos, for decades, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, which governs college sports, they prohibited these kinds of deals. And then, one year ago, the NCAA just changed the rules. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And I'm Waylon Wong. A year ago, the NCAA announced that student-athletes will be allowed to make money off their name, image, and likeness, or NIL for short. Today on the show, we look at how this powerful new incentive came about and how it is reshaping the college sports industrial complex. This message comes from NPR sponsor, American Express Business. With features and benefits like membership rewards points and flexible payments, Amex business cards are built for business. Don't do business without it. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash business cards. Support for NPR and the following message come from DataIQ, the AI platform that connects data and doers through everyday AI, helping leading organizations turn complex data into business impact at dataiku.com. The NCAA was founded in 1906 as a way to set the rules for college sports. And pretty much for that entire time, its rules held that college athletes were not allowed to be compensated beyond the cost of certain educational things, right? Like tuition, room and board, stuff like that. So what that meant was that athletes could also not make money on their name, image, and likeness, their NIL. So they couldn't do things like take sponsorships or make endorsement deals because that would go against the NCAA's mission of promoting amateur athletics. David Barry is a sports economist at Southern Utah University, and he says the notion of amateurism in college sports is ironic because for decades, college athletes did receive money. It goes back all the way to the beginning. You go all the way back into the 19th century and athletes are being given deals, inducements to come to schools. But these inducements were sort of of the hush-hush, wink-wink, nudge-nudge variety. See, under NCAA rules, schools were not allowed to just pay students to play for their teams. So instead, what the schools often did was allow an interested third party to do that. These were called boosters. Boosters are basically rich people willing to shell out money to help attract prize athletes to their favorite school. And sometimes the ways they did that were ethically iffy. 
If you go back historically, uh, you have the, the story of athletes going to colleges, being hired uh, in the off-season by a car dealer. And the car dealer pays the athlete money, but the athlete doesn't actually do anything at the car dealership. A cushy no-show job, a payment funneled through an agent, a free apartment. For decades, this is how student-athletes got paid if they were paid at all, under the table. But that status quo would eventually be challenged. In 2009, a former college basketball player sued the NCAA for using his name, image, and likeness in a video game, and he won. More recently, state lawmakers considered passing laws explicitly allowing college athletes to make NIL deals. And one year ago, after decades of fighting, the NCAA threw in the towel. They said, we're changing the rules. And it meant if you were a student athlete, you could now strike sponsorship deals, endorse products, monetize your social media following. We are now at a point where instead of people giving you piles of cash in a paper bag, we're just signing you to a contract. <laughs> in recent months, those contracts have resulted in something the public has not seen before. College athletes hawking products for big national brands. What's up, guys? It's Haley and Hannah. Um, we want to come on here and talk to you guys about Boost Mobile and the holiday season. Did you know that it was Bojangles' 45th birthday? Those were a couple ads featuring the names, images, and likenesses of a few college basketball players, the Cavender Twins and Aaliyah Boston. And other big-name college athletes have also struck NIL deals with national brands. I think it's good that, that now athletes can make money off, off themselves. In a lot of ways, it teaches them to be businessmen or businesswomen quicker, and it teaches them to be more creative. Spencer Wadsworth is an agent with a sports marketing company called Wasserman Media Group. One of his clients is Raylan Turner, a UCLA soccer player who became the first college athlete to be sponsored by Nike. Huge deal, right? Though we should say that the vast, vast majority of the deals that happened in the past year have not been with ginormous global brands, right? And according to a company that has been tracking it, a company called Influencer, which tries to connect college students with NIL deals, about half the deals last year were worth less than 53 bucks. So not exactly life-changing money. On the other hand, when you add all the deals that happened last year together, Influencer estimates that college athletes collectively made over $900 million. It's a lot of tacos. That is a lot of tacos and slightly fewer Lamborghinis. And some people have expressed concern about how that will change college athletics. Like, won't it turn amateur athletes into quasi-professionals? But Spencer, he doesn't think so. Those that think that this is going to ruin college sports are just hanging on to an old idea. That is not going to ruin it. If anything, it's going to make it bigger. It's going to make it better. And yeah, is there going to be more issues to manage? Sure. But like, I think it's more of a, just an older way of thinking. And this is a new way. There is another concern that's often raised about this latest influx of money into college sports. And that is, will it be bad for competition? Right? So... The worry is schools with the biggest booster networks will find ways to lure recruits to their school by dangling NIL deals in front of them. And as a result, a handful of schools will be hoovering up all the best players and end up dominating their sports. David Barry, the sports economist, is skeptical of this argument because, for one thing, he says most college sports are already dominated by a handful of the same schools every year. And that was even before making endorsement money was even a possibility for student athletes. Why would that happen? Because the athletes in each of those sports, when they would try to choose what school they would go to, they would say, look, 
I'm going to base it on, am I going to win or not? Who doesn't want to be with the winner, right? David says a handful of powerhouse schools attract a disproportionate amount of the top-tier athletic talent, so much so that even their backup players are amazing athletes. That is the way it has historically been. But David thinks now that athletes can make money off their names and images, a lot of talented athletes who might have settled for warming the bench at a big powerhouse school might instead choose to play for a smaller school where they can be the star. Because, you know bigger fish, smaller pond. Maybe that means more potential for a juicy endorsement deal. And David thinks the effect of this over time will actually be to improve competition between schools. I think that's the story. I think the story is not that competitive balance uh, is, is going to get worse. I think it's going to get better because the athletes are making different decisions now. Name, image, and likeness money has changed the incentives. For athletes like Pierre Gould, that means learning a whole new skill set, like how to pitch yourself to companies on social media. Some brands left me on red, and it was kind of hard. I'm not going to lie. Wait, what do you mean they left you on red? So on Instagram DMs, you can see when someone reads your message and doesn't answer. So there are a few brands, like uh, I won't mention them because I'm not... Eventually, he says he did secure a couple of deals, one with a clothing brand and another with a nutrition supplement company. He gets a discount on merch and a small commission for customer referrals. So Pierrick isn't rolling in NIL deal money right now. And and he says that's okay because he is still an amateur athlete. But at least now he says he appreciates being an amateur athlete who can get paid. This episode of The Indicator was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering from Debbie Daughtry. Catherine Yang checked the facts. Viet Le is our senior producer. Kate Cannon edits the show. And The Indicator is a production of NPR. 